Well, I'm so excited to welcome you as we gather as the Christ Journey family once again. Shout out to our campus in Kindle, campus in Gables, across this nation, around the world, wherever you're making your connection with us. This is the, the second week in our series, Heroes of Faith. And I'm excited to have what I believe will be a word of encouragement for every struggling hero of faith and every rising hero of faith. May God bless his word to your life. Got any rivers? you think are uncrossable? Got any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible and he can do what no one else can do. Now, I love those words because we all face challenges. We, you and I have not even talked this morning, but I know this, you're facing some challenge today. We all find ourselves in situations that are beyond our control, isn't that right? I'm in one, you are too. Maybe you don't fully know it yet, (laughs) but beyond your control, relational situations, financial situations, perhaps you're facing a health challenge that has blindsided you, Maybe for you it's a troubled marriage. Maybe it's a business deal that's kind of gnarly. Maybe it's a wayward child. Maybe it's a, uh, a crisis with your boss or your employee and, and you have brought that in this place with you. Or maybe there's this inner voice that keeps telling you, you know, that's not gonna happen. That, that dream of yours, that's not gonna happen. That's never gonna happen. You're never gonna have that baby. You're never gonna find your soulmate. You're never gonna make it through this crisis. You're never gonna finish that degree. You're never gonna get that promotion, right? These voices, dream killer voices, and the reason I'm tempted, you're tempted to agree with them is because our circumstances seem to line up with those voices. Sometimes, don't they? And it even happens to Nobel laureates. 2016, Bob Dylan, Nobel Prize winner for literature. He's having a conversation with the IBM Watson. You know, IBM Watson's a supercomputer that um, combines artificial intelligence with sophisticated analytical software to the point that Watson can read 800 million pages per second. And Watson tells Dylan this, I have reviewed all of your lyrics and your major themes are that time passes and love fades. And Dylan says, that, uh, that sounds about right. <laughs> and what I'm saying to you is we all have situations in our life where that sounds about right, doesn't it? You know, that river, that one's uncrossable. That mountain, it is rock solid and sky high. I'm not going over it. I'm not going through it, right? And to that, here's what God says. I'm bigger. I'm bigger. I'm bigger. If you're new to the Bible, the Bible story, throughout the Bible story of God, it will quote God from time to time saying, I'm God. I'm bigger. Like one time, it was a desperate situation for the nation. And God tells Jeremiah, even though he said, I'm the God of Israel, he says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. 
Is anything too hard for me? I got this. When the angel brings God's plan to Virgin Mary, teenage Virgin Mary, that's quite a plan, by the way, right? Quite a plan. You know what the angel is sure to tell her with the message? For nothing is impossible with God. And then that little baby boy grows to be a man. People flock to hear Jesus teach by the thousands. And one of the things that he says is this, what is impossible with men is possible with God. And it wasn't just teaching, then he demonstrated it after his death on the cross, his burial in the tomb, that he rose from the dead. Now, I'll tell you, the Bible, if you're new to the Bible, the Bible does not have a miracle on every page. It's not that kind of book. But that doesn't mean God isn't a God of miracles, or like the song says, God specializes in things thought impossible, and he can do what no one else can do. Now, Abraham learned that one day. One day in his life, somehow, we're not told how, I don't know if you even know how, if this has happened to you, he heard what he believed was God's voice. He sensed God's call, he, uh, and he received God's promise, which is no small miracle in itself. You know, this one still happens today. People listening right now would say, I have heard God call my name. If that's not happened to you, then Jesus promised, seek and you will find. Maybe this is your day. We will pray for that for you. Well, anyway, Abraham receives the promise that God is going to give him a son. And 23 years later, here's the story. We're just gonna regroup real quickly, okay? 23 years later, it happens. 23 years? Come on, 23 years. Abraham is 99 and Sarah is 89. And somehow, miraculously, they conceive and give birth to a son, which, uh, now you laugh at that. You know, the story says they laughed. They laughed. In fact, um, they named their baby boy, He Laughs, Isaac. And um, maybe part in part because they're so happy that it finally happened, 23 years, a long time to wait. Ha, finally, ha, they laughed. But the story actually says that God said, I want you to name that boy, he laughs. Why? Maybe to remind heroes of faith like us that God laughs at what we consider to be impossibilities. And that's the story that we were. So what we learned was that he laughs at our impossibilities and teaches us that faith lives above sea level. This is where we were when we left off last. Faith doesn't lock God in to our limitations or our unbelief, our inability to see. And that's significant because what I'm imagining right now, I bet somebody here has already locked God out. And what I mean is you thought at one time in your life that you heard God call your name and you passed, you took a pass. You said, no, I got things to do. And then what you're thinking is I missed my opportunity. Okay, if God was gonna do something the impossible through me, I had my chance, but now I'm too old. No, you're not. You're not too old. I can tell you that. You're not too old. It's not too late. Now, you may be too deceived right now, or you may be um, too, uh, too distracted, or you may be too complacent, <laughs> but I know you're not too old for God's adventure. Abe and Sarah have the birth of their child 
When it's up to God to make it happen, faith lives above the level of what we can see or believe to be possible. And yet at almost 100, they're giving birth to the nation that would become Israel. That's the way the story goes. Now, you know, our church has celebrated 91 years in ministry and we're still giving birth to spiritual babies. In fact, we have three campuses right now, but we are trusting God to give us two more spiritual babies. And so we'll have five campuses by 2020. Gables campus is strong, Kindle campus is strong, Church Online is stronger than we had ever imagined, but we're asking God to let us grant, to grant us two more physical campuses by the year 2020. Why? Well, nothing is impossible with God. And God showed Abraham the land of Canaan, the land of promise, and then this is what he told them there, to your descendants I will give this land. Now that is what became known as the promised land. Maybe you've heard of that. The land that's flowing with milk and honey. Now scholars say that that happened around 2091 BC, that story. And then they also tell us that the earliest time that the Israelites those are the children that were born out of Isaac's birth. The earliest they could have entered Canaan, the promised land with Joshua, was 1406 BC. Now do the math on that, 685 years later, which also included 400 years of slavery in Egypt. Remember that story? Moses, Pharaoh, Park the waters, 400 years in slavery, and then 40 more years as the people are wandering across the wilderness and the desert, and as Moses led them. Now, Moses is dead and gone. The mantle of leadership has passed to Joshua, and that's where we're picking up the hero of faith story today. And the lesson that we learn from him is simply this. Faith follows God's directions. Last week, faith lives above sea level. This week, faith follows God's directions. Six and a half centuries have passed. And uh, Moses is off the... When Moses led the Exodus out of Egypt, over a million plus people went with him. This is a story. I'm just recapping. Following God's direction by faith. But along the way, here's what the story says. Unbelief and a stubbornness of will, a hardness of heart, a rebellion against God, and worldly sins have confused the people to the point that they have been compromised and wound up wandering in the wilderness and dying there. And this is a sad story, but that's what the story says. And now as the people prepare to enter the promised land, only two of the original million plus are going into the land. <laughs> Two, a lot of funerals in the wilderness in the last 40 years. But two, Joshua and Caleb, Two of the original spies into the land survive. How did they do that? Why did they, why did they survive? When so many others were biting the dust, how did they get to be the ones who would go into the land? Now, all the others, obviously, they had kids and grandkids, and so they still got lots of people going into the land. But how did these two guys make it into the land? I'm telling you, they lived this message. Faith follows God's directions. And that's the way Joshua and Caleb lived their lives. And God simply tells Joshua, the way you've been living your life, to, the way the way that has brought you this far is the way that you will make it into the land of promise. And so when we read the book of Joshua, chapter one, verses eight, this ancient Hebrew story, it speaks to us today. Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. 
Meditate on it day and night so that you might be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. God wants them that way. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. In other words, what Joshua has been doing in his personal life as a matter of spiritual discipline, individually, God is saying, I want you just to keep doing that and lead all the people to do the same thing because that's the way into the promised land, the fulfillment. In other words, faith follows God's directions. The word of the living God, as you walk in it, will make a way for you as you walk. So the question is, how do you walk in the word, right? Want to be heroes of faith, struggling heroes of faith, rising heroes of faith. How do you walk in the word? Three parts. You soak it up first, you live it out, and then you follow through. Soak it up, live it out, follow through. That's what he says right here. Verse eight, keep it in your mouths and your meditations day and night. In other words, it's gonna be on your mind and in your conversation. So we soak up God's direction as we talk about it and as we think about it with one another. Now, how do we do that at Christ's journey? Well, we encourage people to have a time of daily Bible reflection where you're praying and with an open Bible asking God to speak. And then we celebrate in weekly worship participation. That's what we're doing here. And then we connect in group interaction, in community. But in every place, we're taking it in. If you want to know the will of God for your life, you need to know the word of God for your life and soak it up. Soak it up. That's what Joshua is told. Now, if you're new to the Bible, if you're new to the church, then the place to start in the Bible is the New Testament. Does that make sense? Don't worry about the old part yet. Start with the new, and it will help you understand what's in the old before you even get there. And by the way, it only takes 18 hours and 20 minutes to read the entire New Testament, less than one day. But if you read it 30 minutes a day, you'll cover it in a month. Okay, so if you've never done that, I would really encourage you to, to do that because he, we're to soak it up. Then as you read it, don't just read it like a book, read it to enter the story, to live it out. Because what you're gonna find in it is opportunity to let it impact your behaviors, your thinking. Verse eight, be careful to do what is written in it. So there's an old song that says, Trust and obey for there's no other way. That's still the same thing he's saying here. Live it out means put it into action. Real faith moves you to action. So one way to evaluate your faith, see if your faith has a pulse, is to say, is it moving me anywhere? Or does it just leave me sitting still? Does, what, does my faith move me into action in, on earth? And if not, then what makes you think it's gonna move you into heaven, afterlife. That's what James, the half-brother of Jesus says, as the body without spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So he's saying, now live it out. So soak it up and then live it out and then follow through. That means no matter what comes, you keep trusting him. And as you live it out, as you've got your Bible open and your heart open and your mind open and you're talking with God, you're gonna find in, his, in, the, in the scripture, you're gonna find some promises. You should own them as your own. That's how you live it out. 
There may be a time when you sense a correction coming into the direction of your life. You've been going that way and now you sense that a new direction is coming. Well then follow the new direction. If you've been tangled up in some kind of habit that has been taking you down and every time you face that temptation, you fall in front of it like, oh, this, I can't do this. Well, then that's the place to trust God, admit it, quit it, forget it, move on. You said, but I can't, that's my mountain, that's my river, I can't cross that. Well, then that's the place to trust God to meet you and to try to do the impossible because God is not interested in you being stuck where you are. Now, sometimes we say this, you ever heard this around your house? That's just the way I am, but that's just the way I am. So I have to admit, I have heard that around my house, actually coming out of my mouth. And what, what, I, have to, what I have to do real quickly is add, this is what I've learned to add there. Whenever I'm tempted to say that before Lisa says this, you know, this is a good thing for me to go ahead and say, you know, it's just the way I am. God loves me just the way I am but he loves me too much to leave me this way. Okay, you understand? God loves me just the way I am. I can't earn his love, I don't deserve his love, but he loves me too much to leave me this way. He wants to help me become more. Can you imagine a lifeguard? A, a man is drowning out in the ocean, flailing and drowning. The lifeguard swims out to the guy and says, oh, I just wanted to let you know, I love you. Have a nice day. <laughs> Jesus doesn't do that either. Jesus doesn't come to you when you're in trouble and when you're going down and he said, I love you, just wanted you to know. No, he says, I wanna get you to a safe place where your self-destructive behaviors will not take you down. And that's what, I love you too much to leave you that way means. When we come to Christ and he comes alive in us, then we start a new life in him. Second Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, anyone means it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, where you're from, anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation and the old is going away and the new is coming. That's what baptism signifies. We got some new life going on here and the truth is going to set us free. He frees us from those habits that have held us and the destructive sinful tendencies that take us down. But the truth is what makes you free. But in order to live the truth, to live it out, you've gotta soak it up, then live it out, and then don't stop. That's the follow through, don't stop. No matter how long it takes, no matter the thing you face, keep on fighting it. One of the first challenges that Joshua had to face as he took the people into the promised land was Jericho. Jericho, you remember the city of Jericho? You remember the old spiritual? Joshua fit the battle down to Jericho and the walls came tumbling down, okay. You know that song. Well, this is that story. And uh, Jericho was a strategic city. It was pagan. It was hard-hearted against God. It was built thousands of years before Joshua was even born. So it had way more history than he did. And, uh, and archeologists believe it may be the most ancient city in the world. It's fortified with walls that were 25 feet high 
and 20 feet thick. And here's what the story says. The story says God wants to give the victory over that city to his people as they enter the promised land. It's going to be a template, a prototype of how to receive victory in the promised land. And then the people, as they receive the victory, we're gonna give it back in devotion to God. But in order for that to happen, faith would have to follow God's directions. So Joshua gets three clear directions in the story about Jericho. Chapter five, verse 13. When Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up, he saw a man standing in front of him with his drawn sword uh, in his hand. And so in other words, the guy's ready for battle. And Joshua asked him, uh, pardon me, are you for us or for our enemies? And the commander says, neither. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. In other words, I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over. And I'm going to see that God's will is done in this place in God's way for you. And, uh, and then Joshua falls face down to the ground in reverence. And he asks, what message does does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army simply says this, take off your sandals. For the place where you're standing is holy. Direction number one, worship in surrender. Want to know the way to victory? Want to know how to rise in heroic faith that follows God's directions? The first step is to worship in surrender. Take off your shoes because you're not going anywhere in those by yourself. Then, then God gave him the plan. Joshua chapter six. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its kings and fighting men. Oh, that sounds great, Joshua. You know, I'm gonna fight the battle, God says, and I'm delivering it into your hands, right? This sounds good, but then the directions get kind of weird. March around the city once with all the armed men, do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And I'm thinking, Joshua's already stuck a little bit there because, you know, I'm thinking, six, okay, wait, seven days, 25 high, 20 feet thick, my armed men are walking around this wall. Aren't we gonna be kind of vulnerable to arrows from the enemy? He goes, on the seventh day, then march around the city seven times with the priests blowing their trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Ah, and on the walls of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. That's the plan. Mm. Each day, okay, let me see if I got this right. Each day for seven days, walk one time around the city. We put the armed guard out front, right behind them are seven priests with seven horns. Behind them, the Ark of the Covenant. And then behind them, all the rear guard. Yep, yep, yep. And, and, then, and then we blow the trumpets as we march, but nobody else makes a sound. Shh. Only the horns blowing. And, um, and do that for six days. Right? And then on the seventh day, then march around seven times. One, two, three. <laughs> seven times, yeah. And once you, on the seventh time, I want the priest to blow that long blast. 
When you hear the horn, then you tell the people, shout, now. And then the walls are coming down and you go in and take the city. Yes, that's the plan. Second direction, walk in obedience to God. You know what obedience means? You do what I tell you and you don't do what I tell you not to do. That's all it means. Do what I am telling you to do and don't do what I tell you not to do. And so the first direction is worship in surrender. Take off those shoes. Second direction, now put them back on because I want you to walk in obedience. Third direction, win God's way. Win God's way. Verse, chapter six, verse two, the Lord says, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, and that's my part. Verse five, then have the people give a loud shout, the wall of the city will collapse, and then they all go in. In other words, God will lead the way to victory, and then the people will follow by faith. And sure enough, in the story, wouldn't you expect that? Verse 20, that's what happened. When the trumpets sound, the people shout, the wall collapses, every man charges straight in, and they take the city, and then they devote it to God. And that's how the story goes. Now, if you're struggling a little bit with unbelief right now, I can kind of get that, because that's unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. So rather than us debate the archaeology and the finds, and which I happen to believe affirm the veracity of the story, what if we were to just take the principles and say, what would that look like in your life? As a soldier that is being challenged by fortified walls right now that you think are too hard for you to get through, relationally, financially, health-wise, emotionally, what is it that's intimidating you and saying, that's never gonna happen? And what if we were to apply these principles to, timelessly to where you are living right now? I see two applications here of this entire principle. Faith follows God's directions. We can apply that personally in our individual lives and we can apply it in our church's life right now. And I'll tell you what I mean. There are strongholds in each of our lives right now that God wants to help you bring down and give you freedom from. This is part of what the challenge of life is. Territory inside of you and inside of me that God wants to help us become overcomers about. And his spirit within, his word is our sword and he wants us to challenge bad habits and besetting sins that try to take us out and knock us out of the victory. For some of us, it might be attitudes that have become habits of depression or of dejection or of uh, defensiveness that God would want to replace with hope and encouragement and new life and strength. For others of us, maybe, you know, this is what happens. We kind of wall ourselves in around a less than type of God. Even if you think you don't believe in a God, we kind of isolate and find ourselves walled up. And what I would say to you is that the personal applications of experiencing the power of God in worship and then the unleashing of his truth in obedience can set you free from whatever it is that has held you back. There's personal application here. Corporate side, I would say this. God was giving Abram the country and the people the country to expand his mission for the entire world and our desire for people to know 
the hope that we have in Jesus Christ doesn't stop with this, these walls in this site. In fact, God wants us to win as many as possible, as soon as possible, by the most effective means possible. And what we've discovered for us and many churches, 8,000 churches around across our nation right now is something called the multi-site method. We have three sites that are up and running strong and we're asking God to give us two more sites. The thing about multi-site, for it to be successful, you need multiple sites. And so we have, our sites are, are prayerfully looking at our county and saying, where could God be giving us land by his promise that we need to be ready to move on? How do we get there from here? And I can give you the applications real quickly for your personal life. It's the same for our church life. It always starts with pray. Pray. Paul writes, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. That about covers it. That means God doesn't want to be left out of any part of your life. Involve all of God into all of your life. Secondly, then serve. This is what Jesus did. This is where God shows up to challenge the walls. Serve. Jesus washes the disciples' feet, and immediately following that, he stands up and says, now I've given you an example I want you to follow. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And so he wants us to move into action and put his plan into action. And then he says to give his life as a ransom. And so Jesus taught us that giving is part of living the Christian life. Give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together to the running over. God wants to give, but he does it as he teaches us how, and then fish. Jesus' first call, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And as we do that, we win God's way as a church and as individuals. And he uses us to be of help to somebody else as we win as many as possible, as soon as possible. Why does it matter? Because there's a battle on. There's a battle on in our homes, across our nation, between nations, that God wants to bring peace into this battlefield. And um, the way we say it around here, our families are on the brink, lives are in the balance, and God wants to use somebody to make a difference. But that somebody has got to be willing to challenge the walls, bring down the walls of separation, and instead help the captives get free. Inside that city was a person named Rahab who was hungry for hope. And not only did God get her out of the city, but her name now appears in the lineage of Jesus the Messiah. The powerful mercy of God's grace shining on us and saving our families. My favorite leadership quote from Joshua is simply this. He says, choose whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. If it's up to me and I gotta decide, how am I gonna invest my life? Then I want to help my family experience the worship of Almighty God and walk in the obedience of God's truth so that we can win the victory over life the way Jesus intends. And he does share his victory with us in Christ. Would you bow with me as we pray? Is there a stronghold coming to mind for you? Is there an impossibility that you have backed away from because it hasn't, the walls have seemed so strong, they haven't come down yet. 
Would you be willing to let God meet you there and then join him in the journey? See, one, maybe one of the reasons that the walls haven't come down is because you started walking before you took your sandals off. First thing was you gotta know who I am and experience God in his power and in his redeeming love. And then trust him as you take the next step. Now for some of us today, that next step would simply be welcoming God to meet you as you continue to fight the battle and face the challenge in your personal life, in your relational life, in your family life, in your financial life. May God bless you with his promises there. But if you're joining us today early in your faith journey and you'd like to know how do I begin, it's as simple as this prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I receive you as God's promised Messiah. I am trusting your words when you said that you died for my sins to be forgiven. Forgive my sins. And that you rose from the dead that I might receive the gift of salvation. Come into my life. Thank you for doing for me what I could never do for myself. And now lead me that I could walk with you by faith. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon that decision, then I'm gonna ask you simply to raise your hand and hold it up just for a moment till I have a chance to look across the room. If you're joining us online, there's an orange banner there on the screen that you can click in front of you and we will join you in prayer as well. God bless you. Thank you, ma'am. In the center, in the middle. Anyone else? Thank you. In the center, once again. We're all praying for those that are joining us today. And Lord Jesus, especially for these who have raised their hands and by uplifted hand are showing a heart open and taking a step of faith toward you. We pray that you would bless them with the experience of your presence and the rising of their joy and strength in you as we make our prayer in Jesus' name, amen.